0: Great to have you joining the Bridgman City podcast today. Family is a reality in every one of our lives. Our experiences of it might differ, but it touches every one of us. So as a community, as we've been seeking Christ, we realize this is an important theme for us to turn our minds to. In this sermon series on family, my prayer is that you might know Christ speaking to you. If you'd like to know more or even just grab a coffee, feel free to reach out on our socials or email hello at bridgman.org.au. Christ, the living God, is here amongst us and He wants to speak into our hearts. And I wanted to start tonight by reading Luke one thirty eight. The angel has just come to Mary and has said, you are going to be the mother, the earthly mother of the Son of God. You know, fairly big thing uh, to be told. And Mary asked, how is this to happen? And angel explains that the Holy Spirit will come on you and Mary says this, Mary said, behold the bond slave, the servant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Here in this moment, Mary shines forth the Christ, Christ in her. In this moment, this massive thing is spoken over her, you are going to be the earthly mother of the Son of God, and she accepts this word that God speaks over her in humility and in um, um, in humility and in meekness. And she says, "May it be done to me according to your word." This is the spirit of Christ that Mary displays in this moment. Look at Luke twenty-two forty-two. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane: "Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done." Lord, whatever your design, whatever your purposes are, whatever your providential will is over my life, whatever the circumstances are that you have for me, that you are going to speak over to me, I receive them, I agree with them, I assent to them, I say amen, I adhere, may it be done to me as you have said. So we are, we'll continue this family series and if you weren't here two weeks ago, a few of you weren't, Uh, we just began, as Dan said, by recognizing that God has mercifully put us in families. Each one of us, every one of us have a family. I know that maybe some of us, our parents have even passed away, maybe we're singles, maybe we don't have a lot of immediate family in that regard, but each one of us have been a part of, have come from a family and the family, the earthly family is given by God that it might lead us up to to the receival of who Christ is. The family is Christ-shaped, and so to be a part of an earthly family means that we actually need Christ living in us. To be men and women, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, children, singles, we need to be living as children of God. To be a father, to be a mother, to be a husband and wife, we firstly need to be children of God. Of God, as Dan says, as Dan just said there, all of these roles are Christ-shaped, and so tonight, what does it mean to be a child of God as a man or a woman? This is kind of the rudiment of the family, so we have to start here. The family is is crafted, is molded on the basis of man and woman. So we're going to start right at the very beginning. Genesis five two says this. When God created mankind, this is right at the very start, He made them in the likeness of God. He created them in the likeness of God, male and female, and blessed them. Jesus, in fact, goes on to affirm what is written here in Genesis. In Matthew 19, 4, he says this, he says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. This is such a a common and basic, all-encompassing thing, our, our gender, you know, so everyone has a family, one for one you have a gender, you're either male or female, it's such a basic thing that we kind of sometimes tend to overlook it as something that is given to us, spoken over us by God. But its commonality or non-uniqueness doesn't make it less precious. Just because everyone has a gender doesn't mean that this is not a beautiful thing that God has actually given to every single one of us, that he has purposed for every single one of us. God's gift, a precious gift and purpose for you, the thing that he has spoken over you is that you are male or that you are female. This is not a random or an accidental thing. It hasn't just happened. This was literally God's word over your life as an individual, that you would be male or female. Gender is an eternal fact. It's something established by God in creation over us. It's an eternal fact about our earthly human natures. And male and female are are interlocking, complementary opposites, just as so much in our world reflects um, opposites, light and dark, um, there's, there's a whole numerous of them. Male and female are complementary opposites that, that come together. This is how God has created them. So that's the first thing we need to know is that our gender is not some random thing that just so happened. This is actually God's specific word over every one of our lives and just because everyone has it doesn't mean that it's any less precious, any less purposeful for us and over us. But because gender is of our earthly nature, it belongs to the things of the earth, this means that it's an incidental word of God over us rather than an essential fact. It's transitory. The things of the earth are actually passing away. Uh, it's not wrong or right to be male or female. Neither are the blessed, Neither uh, ma- being male or female is the blessed state of god the blessing that god is giving us as sons of god actually transcends our, our gender it transcends our earthly nature galatians three, twenty-eight says this there is now neither male nor female for you are all one in christ jesus So at the beginning of the Bible, God speaks and he says they will be male and female. This is God's precious word over us, over our earthly natures. And then we get to the back end and Paul's saying there is now neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Our identity as sons of God, the receiver of Christ in us will transcend our gender. And I want to see if I can explain uh, this a little bit more here tonight. So if we, uh, I'm sorry for listening on the podcast, this is week two of two for me for sermon illustrations, visuals, I'm, I think I'm doing pretty well here, I'm on a roll, uh, so Dan, no pressure for next week, but we're just going to get the lights fully down here, and uh, if, you're on the, uh, if you're on the podcast, it's going to make no sense, but anyway, that's just a bit of incentive to get uh, to church uh, next week. So everyone's wondering what these two lamps are up the front that haven't been turned on, that they weren't for the mood. They're actually my sermon illustration here tonight. So these two lamps, and here we are in the pitch dark, they cannot be seen. Now, I know that they can be seen because there's my iPad and a few other little things, emergency lighting, but just pretend for a second that, that they, these two lamps cannot be seen at all. In fact, without light, if it was totally dark, if there was never any light, these two lamps are essentially without existence, Right? If we were in the complete darkness, although you might bump into them, you would not know what they are. They may as well be any other thing. In darkness, everything blends into one. Everything is indistinguishable. There's, there's no differentiation. And so because of that, nothing really exists. And it says at the beginning in Genesis, it was the, the earth was, was void and without form. It was, it was dark. But as soon as I flick on uh, the light on one of these lamps, on bo- I'll flick them on on both of these lamps, the form, the shape of the lamp can actually be seen because of the light. In a sense, the, the form and the shape of the lamp was actually there before, but it's not until the light shines out of these lamps... That the the shape of the lamp can actually be seen. And I have I have two types of lamps here. If you're on the podcast, I've got two different shapes of lamps. Both of them are casting the same light. Just, just pretend, I know they've got two separate light bulbs. Let's just pretend that they're, both casting, that they're both casting light waves, which I think technically, again, we get into a lot of science in these sermons. but I think technically light is what it is, wherever it's coming from. And in this sense, they have the same essence, they have the same purpose and the same life. But the peculiarities of the lamp, the shape of the lamp, the form of the lamp mean that they cast The the beauty of the light that they're both casting in the same way is is cast in a slightly different way. They're both casting light, but they're, they're doing so in a slightly different pattern or means into the world around them. The thing that is essential to these two lamps is the light. The shape of the lamp, which does impact how the light is cast, is incidental to the lamp. The important thing is not actually the particular shape, but that the lamp casts light. It's the light that glorifies and magnifies the shape of the lamp. In fact, without the light, we we couldn't see the lamp. It was in total darkness. It may as well have not existed. The purpose of every human being that's ever been created, that ever has existed, that ever will exist, is to magnify, to contain and to manifest Christ who is the light of the world. Every one of our lives as we sit here tonight, this is our highest purpose, this is in fact will one day be seen to be our only purpose all of us are created to form a part of the magnificent, all-encompassing revelation of the greatness of Christ. We are, as, as Paul would say, jars of clay containing a treasure. We are to be We we are to have Christ literally in us. By His Spirit, Christ is literally to be in us. And we are to be vessels that shine Christ. And in doing so, in becoming a revelation of who Christ is, not who we are, who Christ is, we will enjoy Christ forever. It's only as we become a, a manifestation, a revealer of the light that in fact all of our lives make sense And they take on the meaning that they are always meant to have. Christ in us, the hope of glory. But Christ in us will be revealed in each of us slightly uniquely. We each have a unique part to play in the body of Christ. In the revelation of who Christ is, Paul says we are all members of one body. We each slightly manifest Christ in a different way. And I have two types of lamps here to, to make the point that, that our human nature is the form of the lamp. So, so this, the shape of the lamp, the way it manifests Christ is all of the things that make up our human nature. And, and that means our... Our bodies, our experiences, our circumstances, our giftings, our capacities, all of these are meant to be form part of the revelation of Christ in us, and in particular, or also, or a major part of that, is our gender. And so I've got two types of different f- shapes of lamps here to represent the fact that, that, that gender is a part of the contour of the lamp. But the purpose of the shape, remember the purpose of the shape, is to be a magnifier, to be a revelation of the light. It has no purpose outside of that. The lamp is to be a vessel, an instrument, a revealer, a giver of light into the world. And in fact, it's only as that light is actually shining that we come to even see what, that, what the shape of the lamp is. While that light is not there, the shape is unknown. The form is unknown. But when the light comes, then we can see who we really are. What manhood and womanhood really is. Paul says in Galatians 3.28, there is now neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. We all have the exact same purpose, calling, destiny to be revealers of the one man who is Jesus Christ, light. Whether Australian or Indian, we have lots of nationalities sitting here tonight, academic or tradie, whether male or female, literally the person of Christ in us is our unity, is our life. But Paul says in Ephesians 2, 10, we are God's handiwork, Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Even though we have the same light, we have the same Christ in us, God has preordained that we would have a specific manifestation of that light. And the person who is a part of Christ's body, the Christian knows that the incidental, the shape of the lamp, is actually given for the purpose of the essential, to reveal light. So when we understand this, we can actually embrace our gender. We don't feel burdened by the responsibilities of it. We might need to get the lights back up. I'm sorry, (laughs) brother. When we understand this, We don't feel burdened by the responsibilities of what our gender means. We count all the talents, all the shape, all the capacities that God has bestowed on us, including gender, as opportunities for Christ to manifest himself in us. These are gifts. These are opportunities to bless others. Your gender is something that God has spoken over you that you might manifest Christ into the world. And when we understand this, we can actually embrace comfortably the limitations of our gender, the differences in our gender, that male and female aren't the same, that they do different things, that there's different purposes that God has for them. We don't feel the need to be the same, the need to be unshackled from our gender. We accept, as Mary did, and rejoice in the unique shape, the unique shape, which God has purposed for each one of us. And we do so in the same spirit of Christ that was in Mary. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord who is a man or a woman. I receive your word over me. And I receive that as a gift so that I might reveal Christ into the world. Throughout the history of God's people, we see some of the pattern of how Christ is manifested in the different genders. Throughout uh, the history of God's people, we see some of the contours of the male lamp and we see some of the contours of the female lamp. This is not how specific individuals behaved in the Bible. This is not how specific Christians have behaved. This is literally how Christ has manifested Himself in people who are males and in people who are females. This is not things that are made up by society or the Bible. This is literally who Christ is in the male and in in the female. We see that the male... Has been endowed by God with strength. And He uses His strength in service of others, on behalf of others. He bears responsibility. He takes responsibility even for other individuals, for women and for children. He's been called to lead others through service, servant leadership. He's called to initiate, to to be proactive, to engage the world for the good of others. He's called to create areas of safety so that others might flourish within those boundaries of safety and protection. We see that the Christ manifests himself in the male by courageously giving and sacrificing of himself. We see that Christ manifests himself in the male by going out and cultivating the world, working and producing in order to, to gain a harvest to provide for others. we see that the male is able to receive blows. He's able to suffer and to continue to move forward. He is meant to be a place of strength for others to shelter under, to rest under. The male modality, the the, the male um, unveiling of Christ is actually a picture of who the Father is. All of those things that I I just mentioned is is who the Father is in the relationship between the Father and Christ. But Christ too manifests Himself. The Spirit of Christ manifests, manifests itself in the female. And throughout the history of God's people, we've seen that this has happened as the female submits and follows, receives under the leadership of the male. We see that Christ manifests himself in the female through gentleness and care and, and nurturing. She, she bears with others, she stays within. She, she unleashes her creativity within that boundary of safety by raising children by nurturing them, for, by caring for them. We see that she is meant to be a beautiful, precious treasure, adorned, as Peter says in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, not externally, but with a quiet and a gentle spirit. This is the modality, this female modality is, is, is the picture of the sun in the relationship between the Father and the Son, the Son says, I receive everything from my Father. I submit to my Father entirely. The picture between male and female is the picture between Christ and the church. Christ, as as Christ submitted to the Father, so too now the church submits to Christ. This is what it has looked like For the male and the female, the shapes of the male and the female lamp, both with the one purpose, the one calling, the one high calling of Christ dwelling in them. This is the way that Christ has manifested himself in the male and the female throughout the history of God's people. The the world without the Spirit of Christ, the world who does not understand the things of the Spirit, who cannot conceive or be taught by the Spirit, tends to have two differing responses uh, to these manifestations of Christ in the male and the female. And both of these responses that our world, which doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, have, they mistake the, the incidental for the essential. So they take the shape of the lamp to be what really matters rather than the fact that the lamp is purposed and created to shine light. And the shape is actually incidental. It's even transitory, it's temporary. The first response that our world tends to have is that um, they say yes, yes. That's what the genders are. These are generally those who who like and appreciate the gender that they are and and they're remaining in the self. It has no reference to Christ. It's all about the fact that I am a male or I'm a a female, so I can only do these things. I only want to do these things. And this response is a a falling into gender stereotypes that really are caring about the shape of the lamp with no reference for our shapes only being purpose to manifest Christ in us we might hear things like I'm a man let me be a man I don't have anything to do with this I don't have anything to do with this I don't have anything to do with the children or you might hear a woman say I'm a woman let me be a woman I never I don't have to I don't have to do that this is this is my shape can you see my shape The light is what is essential. And the unique shape of the lamp is only actually informed as the light shines out of it. The second reaction that our world tends to have is they say, no, that's that's not what they are. In fact, they, they tend to say there's no such thing as gender. These are generally those who dislike the gender that... that God has spoken over them in his mercy and his kindness. And, uh, and this response tend to be things like, we can do whatever we want. Um, let's shake off the designation of what it means to be male or female. But again, this only comes from treating the incidental as essential. This response wants to have a particular shape rather than to have the light who is Christ in it. The Christian, the one who is filled with Christ, really cares not about having any particular shape, whether positively or negatively, except for the capacity that it gives them to manifest Christ and thereby enjoy Him forever. the shape that God has spoken over him or her, they receive, the Christian receives. They they love it and they embrace it entirely because this is God's word spoken over them. And they say, this is a mercy given by God to me that I might manifest who Christ is. The Christian man won't miss an opportunity to glorify Christ by saying, I don't have to do that because I'm a man. If there's something to do, that, that might not be a man thing to do, according to, to the stereotypes that our world might put together. But it's an opportunity to manifest Christ. He steps in. He says, "Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, I'm gonna I'm gonna cook a wife for my I uh, cook a meal for my family. You know what I mean? Absolutely, I'm gonna I'm gonna relate to my children. I'm gonna nurture and care for my children. Absolutely, when these opportunities come about." I'm not going to miss an opportunity to manifest Christ just because I'm, I'm a man, you know what I mean? The Christian woman won't neglect her opportunity to glorify Christ by saying, even though I'm a woman, I don't want to do those things. I want to do this over here. She, she won't miss that opportunity. She won't neglect the opportunities that God is calling her into by speaking over her that she would be a woman. She's excited for that. She relishes the opportunity and and the calling that God has placed on her as a woman. That Christ might shine from her life. This is the key. Both the Christian man and the Christian woman are submitted to the Christ in them. And this is what directs their life. The Spirit blows like the wind. There's no pattern, there's no order, but there's movement and there's direction and, and Christ in us will define the shape that our life takes. This is the thing, I can't come to you tonight and say this is what a male and a female is. In fact, it's Christ in us that will define that, each of us uniquely. Some women will, might be called to, to remain single their entire life. I'm going to bet that they're going to end up in the workplace. That's a great thing. As Christ leads them to that, they should follow Christ. But it's about us. It's about us receiving Him and letting Him lead, letting Him carve the path. Maybe the the other analogy that I thought of is, think of a rock that's by the ocean and it's the waves pounding on that rock year after year after year that give it a shape. We don't define who we are. It's Christ in us who will actually give shape to our lives. And so as, as we come to this word tonight, the, the thing that I think I, I felt led that we should do is check our hearts and understand whether there's any attitudes in them in which we're actually holding to the incidental rather than the essential. Is there any places in our lives where we're trying to avoid the word that God has spoken over us for our shape, for our nature, in preference for something else? is there any things that God has spoken over us that, that Christ in us would lead us to that we're actually neglecting? Any places where we're saying, I, I don't have to do this. I can do this. So often it's when we make those I statements that we, we need to be warned. The Christian says with Paul, I have died. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The glory of every one of our lives, the glory of our humanity, the glory of our masculinity, of our femini- femininity, is for all of it to become a vessel, an instrument by which Christ in us is glorified. By which he shines out of us. And so the question that we more earnestly need to think of tonight is, have we yielded? Are are we yielded to Christ in us? Or are, are we concerned with getting what we want separate from who christ is as i reflected on it i think the problems in our society at the moment around a lot of the problems in our society at the moment have been caused by men who have forsaken christ and abused their nature which which naturally has a strength god has spoken a strength over them and in forsaking christ in not having christ in them they've actually abused that strength they haven't sacrificed themselves for the sake of others And women then, in turn, have needed to defend themselves by creating their own havens of protection, but in the process have thought that it's actually better to throw off the word of of, of femininity that God has actually spoken over them. Our city, I think, is really looking for a group of men and women In whom Christ dwells. In whom the beauty of of Christ is displayed both through manhood and through womanhood. The true loving power of masculinity and the true loving humility of femininity. And, And the most wonderful thing in all of this is that Christ the light wants to come in and dwell in our hearts. This is what he wants to do. We don't need to find the power to step in to the things that God is calling us to do in our own strength. He says, if you try and find that power, in fact, you will, uh, you, you will find yourself in a losing battle. We are to wait and resign ourselves to God And allow the Spirit to come in and burn up and empower us to live in the shape of Christ. He wants this to be a reality, not a theory, but a tangible experience where the living Christ comes and dwells in our hearts. Paul says we do, uh, sorry, John, Apostle, the Apostle John says, we don't yet actually know what we will fully be. The shape of who you are, who you are with Christ in you is yet to be fully revealed. It's, it's coming to the surface. It's starting to, to take shape. But even the Apostle John says, we don't yet know what we will fully be. But we do know that when Christ is revealed in us, we will be like Him. Wow, isn't that what we want? This man who, who we know is all love, is all beauty, is everything that is good in the world. Don't we want Him to come and dwell in us entirely? That's what we want. And so as we finish, we're going to share in communion and we're just going to make this time of communion, that very prayer. These elements, as Daniel explained explain in a second, represent, they give us the shape of who Christ is, the, who the Spirit of Christ is. Um, someone who gives himself entirely for the sake of others. And whether you're a man or a woman here tonight, that is who Christ wants to be in you to manifest himself as in you. So why don't we pray together now? Yeah. Just say thank you, God, that, that we can trust you in all of this, that we need not concern ourselves with things that are high and lofty, but we can simply come to you in faith, trusting, Lord, that you are working all things. Thank you, Lord, that tonight, maybe there's people here just in this moment who've come from circumstances that they find difficult in their life, things that have been unfavorable as it is perceived, things that have been bad, maybe circumstances which we would even call evil where injustice has taken place. Thank you, Lord, that you say you are using all of these things for our good. You're using every circumstance, Heavenly Father, to lead us to be sons of God, children of God. I just want to say thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here this evening, Lord. And God, I just say thank you that you've spoken over every one of them. A a word, a powerful word, in fact, a loving gift over them that they would be male or female. And I pray, Lord, that if there's been anything in us that's that's resisted that, anything in us that has said, I, I don't want that, if there's been any pride in that and said, yes, that that's who I am and, and that's what we're clinging to, I pray, Lord, that Christ in us would burn all of that up and that we would know, Father, that every single thing that you have spoken over our life, every circumstance, every natural capacity, every position in society, every resource that you've entrusted to us, we would see all of these things as opportunities for us to do good works in Christ Jesus, to manifest the Spirit of Christ, that Christ might be all in all, that you, Christ, would be proclaimed throughout the entire world as being the God who is good, the God of light, the God in whom is no darkness. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that this is truth. That maybe even though we don't know it fully yet, that you are better than we even understand tonight, and so we want to know you, Lord. We want to receive you in increasing measure, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just uh, Why don't we just share in communion now? In fact, would be good. Yeah.